I'm Joey Davison. I've been with Lion Loft since October of last year, helping with content purposes and you know, website orders, online stuff. So I'm joined here by newest member of the Lion Loft team, Jeb Dillman, who is resident LNL homie, amateur ornithologist. Jeb, tell us kind of why we're here with, with bird watchers. So I joined Lion Loft uh, at the beginning of June. As the newest homie, uh, just helping with productions this is part-time work for me. But I fell in love with what Luke and the team are about. And in an effort to expand some content, we decided why not combine Jeb's passion for birds and knowledge with golf, which is my other hobby. I have two of them. That's for them. So welcome to Bird Watchers. Uh, we're going to be updating you guys weekly with featured birds you can keep an eye out for some fast facts and knowledge that you can spread out to impress all of your homies because of course everybody loves bird facts some cool alliteration allegory poetry whatever we feel like on a weekly basis whatever inspires us on the golf course whatever inspires us in nature we want to share all that with you we want to inspire you all uh, share some cool organizations that you all can get behind uh, and some efforts to, for bird conservation we'll get into that next week and yeah we just wanted to share this passion that we have with you all. Let's get started. So every time I play golf with Jeb, he is stopping every 15 seconds walking down the fairway to look at some bird or tell me about some bird. And even as we are walking into his place right now, he's, he's stopping in, along the road to look at some bird as we're coming in. So Jeb, kind of take me back and in a way, tell me how you, how you got to that, how you got so interested in ornithology and these birds. Was it you know, out on the golf course that made you realize this, or was this a something that you learned in school, or how, how did you get so involved with this? Golf is something that came a little bit later in life for me. I started that about four years ago, but my passion for birds goes a lot further back. I started as a 12-year-old. I was fortunate to have a neighbor uh, in Clinton, North Carolina, if any of you know where that is. So I have a neighbor, Mr. Don Butler, who is one of the most impressive people I know, and he became like a father figure to me. And he also happened to have one of the most biologically significant populations of pheasant in the world, let alone the country. Um, he does breeding loans with different zoos. Uh, I can give you a quick, re for reference, there's a species of pheasant called the Blythe Tragopan. It's a Pakistani Middle Eastern bird. It's a type of pheasant. There are only seven of these birds in the country. This was 2016. Seven of them all at the San Francisco Zoo. They wanted to split up this population of bird. They weren't having any success breeding them. All these birds are related because there's so few in the world. And so they needed somebody who knew a lot about breeding pheasants. And Mr. Don was the one they called, which, you know, on the opposite side of the country. Uh, so he got three of these birds. And that's just uh, that kind of, of impact that he was having right next door to me on such a global scale for the conservation of these birds just got me super jazzed up, man. And I was over there all the time. You couldn't keep me away. So, I mean, you know, doing the busy work, he has these really well manicured, awesome aviaries. So doing the landscaping of those, feeding, watering, all that. Uh, I did that and still continue to. Uh, from there, he got me in touch with the people at, Scott, at uh, Sylvan Heights Bird Park, which is in Scotland Neck, North Carolina, up uh, kind of around Rocky Mountain, Greenville area. Scotland Neck is home to Sylvan Heights. Uh, it's the world's largest collection of waterfowl. 
same kind of story, just on a different scale. It's like a zoo. Uh, the public can visit. Uh, it's an incredible place. I highly recommend. But Mike and Ali Lubbock, the owners, are the world's foremost authorities on waterfowl. They know more about ducks, geese, swans than anybody on earth. And they've been recognized as such by all kinds of different organizations. And I got I was lucky to spend about three weeks out of every summer from the time I was 12 to the time I was 17 working Three, for three weeks living with them, living with the college interns from all over the world, I might add. I'd be, I was this 13-year-old curly-headed four-foot-five kid around a bunch of 25-year-old grad students in ornithology from everywhere from Peru to the Netherlands, from England, all over. And so I got very used at an early age. Not only, I got a big education, not only in birds there, but in all kinds of things. But at any rate, working there was life-changing for me, honestly. Uh, I was able to learn from the very best on such things. And that carried over to my golf game. When I discovered golf, I quickly found out that, man, the best place for bird watching is on the golf course. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> so there'd be... You know, there's like, for instance, at Cahari Country Club in Clinton, there's this a really kind of aggressive, semi-aggressive pair of Cooper's Hawks that follow around the back nine. And, and usually when you're out there, especially if you're a single or, or a twosome and walking, you'll notice these birds like kind of following you around hole to hole like spectators. And uh, they're really funny to watch. And uh, like my favorite thing to point out to any visitors that come and play Cahari with me, it's like, oh, dude, wait till we see these hawks on the back nine. They're going to blow your mind. Interesting. So take me back to Mr. Don's house. He, he said he, he was your neighbor? Yeah. Um, we live in the country. He lives about a mile away, so that's oh, considered good. a neighbor. It's considered a neighbor. Gotcha. So like, what kind of compound do you need to have that, what he was running over there? You said he had one of the most rare forms of... So, yeah, the term I use is like biologically significant. That yeah. being like the population he has is com- is made up of... Probably, I don't know how many species he has right now. I would guess like 24 different species of pheasant. And of those 24, most of, most of them are on some endangered or critically endangered list. And all of them are in need of captive breeding. And Mr. Don is one of the people who make up a network of people who do captive breeding, most of which are zoos. But there are a lot of there are a lot of private aviaries around the world as well. People like him who have it as a hobby, who mm-hmm. well off and can afford to put the type of investment and time and energy it takes to do it because it's a ton of time and energy. But his setup, he, he has uh, these aviaries that range. Some of them are about eight feet high. Some of them are fifteen feet high. They have different shapes as he's added over time. But he he takes great pains to landscape them with with shrubbery and native shrubbery and things that the birds need and would like nest in or nest under and each pen is kind of meticulously planned in that way relative to the species that's in that pen so that's part of it part of it is being able to accumulate enough of a certain species to try things like colonization i mentioned the blythe tragopan it has a cousin called the cabbage tragopan which is not as endangered but also a pakistani bird we need to get i need to show you pictures of these things they're crazy Next and episode. So, <laughs> um, we've got the book right there. I think there's some cabots in there. Uh, cabots. So Mr. Don found that putting them in instead of pairs, if you put them in colonies, uh, I just saw the osprey. Yeah. See, this is what I was talking about. <laughs> He's like, yeah. we're sitting next to so this big we're sitting, window. We're sitting in my living room behind which there is about a two acre pond and I have an osprey that hunts out here daily. Those are all the crows. Oh, man. 
Uh, yeah, there's an osprey that hangs around. We also have a bald eagle that comes through here in the wintertime no and way, hangs out really? for a couple months. That's awesome. Yeah, they, we've, I've witnessed them fighting, which is, it's amazing. I've lived in rural North Carolina my whole life, and the closest I've ever been to an eagle is about 40 yards off of I-40 in Raleigh. What's that thing swimming there? <laughs> Sorry, right in the middle of the... <laughs> oh, what is that swimming, actually? Looks like a muskrat. Oh. It's got to be something like that. It's not a bird. If it ain't a bird, I don't want to talk. It's not a bird. <laughs> got all sorts of animals back here. Man, people. we haven't seen a beaver out here in a long time. There was one when we first moved in that had a crippled leg, and he would just, like, hang out in the backyard every day because he had a, he couldn't really move. <laughs> Interesting. And he disappeared, I can guess. Man, that'd be crazy if that was a beaver, though. <laughs> but anyway, Mr. Don and you, do you guys still... <laughs> Do you still talk? Is he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's like my dad. He's recently retired, so Mr. Don is um, he's he's been awarded the Order of the Longleaf Pine. Governor Pat McCrory gave him that, which is the highest citizen honor oh, a citizen of North yeah. Carolina can get. Uh, he was president of North Carolina Pork Council for several years. Uh, served on the National Pork Board, uh, North Carolina Pork Board. He was Smithville Foods' first executive in North Carolina. Director of International Government Relations. Had a, he's, he's been his his background is mainly in agriculture. He's a farm boy from Bladen County. Played football at Western Carolina. Uh, Go Nears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, we talk all the time, and I still work with him. And he currently serves as the uh, president of the board of directors for Sylvan Heights, the place I mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, which is a place I haven't actually I haven't been there in probably two years back to Sylvan Ice. They've expanded since I've been there. One of the guys actually who was an intern the last summer that I interned there, Dustin Foote, is now a general curator for Sylvan Heights. Uh, I know that he went and got, I think his PhD. Yeah, his PhD. Uh, he did. He studied like finches and all kinds of crazy birds, but he's an awesome guy. He's a falconer as well, which is something that I spent half a year doing in high school before. So for like... <laughs> my senior high school, we, uh, the state of North Carolina was mandating these graduation projects that like you had to start as a sophomore and complete when you were a senior and it had to have a final product and you had to put this many hours into it. And people did like boy scout type projects mainly. Like I'm going to field. my roommate made a mandolin actually, which is pretty cool. It's in there for his, for anyway. So I was, for mine, I was doing falconry. <laughs> so my product was going to be a trained red tail hawk and there's a, a guy that lives in Garland, just south of Clinton, uh, named Alan Page, who's a falconer. And so I started this process my junior year and started working with him. And then the state decided, oh, you don't have to do these projects anymore. So they did away with it. So I stopped the actual pursuit of doing it uh, in terms of um, getting my falconer's license and all that. But I was his apprentice. There's a whole process. So you weren't going to get an so, actual falcon for yourself? Uh, yes. Well, I was, I would, I was going to be the one to catch it and train it, but it would be at his place and I would be his apprentice because, gotcha. you know, there's checks and balances. The way I heard that is you're going to get your own falcon for a high school project, Hulk, which sounds... Hulk, falcon, I would have to be... As a matter of fact, last I talked to Alan, he had a falcon. I don't know if he still does or not, but that's after years of... There are levels to this. So, like, you're, I have to be an apprentice for a year. And then I have to take this test and then I can be a falconer. And then, in order for me to actually go get a catch a bird and possess it, I have to build I have to build facilities for it, and they have to be inspected. And then I can get a bird. I had no and idea. Then, Jeez. So I went through the pro I went through the early stages of the process. I just never f completed the apprenticeship and took the test. 
We did catch a hawk. I did some of the training. <laughs> Went over to his place. Uh, he had a hawk. We caught one. Red tail. It's it's. A, it, how do you think you would catch a? What, what, uh, that was going to be my question. I was going to be how do you catch it? How do you train it? If you had to, if I had to put you on the spot, I was like Joey, go catch that hawk. What would what would you grab? Well, I'd figure out what kind of food they like. Maybe like a little cheese board or that, something. That's a good start. Okay, okay you're on the right yeah, track. A little cheese board. You find out some there. feed. Cheese, probably not a charcuterie. Um, <laughs> yeah, some salami or something. Uh, on there. Okay, they eat mice, so yeah, you get a mouse. I'd maybe get a mouse then. Yeah. yeah, so I'd get a mouse. I'd put it. I'd make it look good. Put it on a plate and dress it up nice. Yeah, put it on a nice plate and wait in the bushes. That's, <laughs> that's almost pretty spot on. So he makes you take a mouse and you put it on a wooden frisbee. <laughs> okay, yeah, and it's in a cage. And oh, you have it in a cage. The, the mouse is the mouse is on a cage. The cage is a semicircle on top of a frisbee, like a wooden frisbee that's handmade, aerodynamic, you know, the whole nine. Oh, yeah. It has to land, you know, with the mouse up, obviously, so you got to make it in such a way. And then on top of the cage, you have these, like, loops, like zip ties, basically. Yeah. That you loop around it, just a bunch of them. And then you just, you know, oh, I saw a hawk over here for the last couple of days. Let's go over there. And it has to be a, it has to be a juvenile bird. Uh, each state has different regulations. I'm sure there's some federal ones, and like I said, I never took the test, so I'm not sure of all of them. But basically, it has to be a juvenile bird, so like not not breeding age, so two years or less, which you determine by size and coloration. Okay. Um, you you can't determine that before you catch it normally, but when you get to the bird, you'll be able to know that if you know what you're doing. Like and then you, you did. Just, so not- so yeah, you just oh I see him. I'm gonna throw this frisbee out there. He's gonna see that mouse. Hopefully, he's going to jump on that mouse. He's going to get caught up in those ties. And then it's just like, bag him, stuff him. Jeez. I say stuff him. It's a much more gentle process. <laughs> uh, you take coffee can, like a coffee can, like cut the end of it out. Yeah. And just like cover uh, them in that. Okay. And you, as long as you cover their heads, they won't like do anything. Yeah. Stress is the number one killer. Like stress will kill captive birds before anything. Like they'll kill themselves. Just either stress themselves out or bang themselves up on something. That's what's going to kill them. So just keep them calm cover yeah. their heads okay that's why you see like falcons with those hoods on you know what i'm talking about yeah you've uh-huh. seen like the pictures of like the saudi family with their jetliner full of hooded falcons yeah <laughs> yeah it's just because they can that's why they all sit there like that it's because oh, they're cow. hooded man only episode one and i'm learning so much <laughs> i learned how to catch a man falconry falcon. we could do eight episodes on and i would have to do more research we'll get there. It'd be a good excuse to get back in touch with alan though yeah there you go it's one of the craziest processes so at the end of the whole training process you at the end of it you get a hawk that will respond to a whistle and that you can take out and hunt with so it's a process of walking through the woods making some noise so he hears you he's got some bells on his legs so you hear him what if you take your hawk out and someone's out trying to catch a hawk and they do the whole mouse thing oh man that would be they catch your hawk oh in Sampson County, that would not end well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> also, I highly doubt there's a second falconer in Sampson County. Never Maybe. Know. You and me. Go At least, there. like, I'll catch legal ones. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's finish with kind of where you're at now. You just graduated state, right? I did just graduate state. What, what Did you study all of this at state? Or? Uh, well, I came into NC State in 2012 as a zoology major wasn't I, I quickly learned that it wasn't as much as I do love birds it's more of a hobby than than what I want to do for a living mm-hmm. um in terms of like zookeeping or research and also I couldn't get the organic chemistry man stuff's tough <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I was also just a very bad student no after some deliberation I graduated with a degree in parks recreation and tourism management and uh my concentration was in sustainable tourism 
uh, which is kind of where I see myself. Like my, my interests are like in sustainable development. And I came in, I met Luke through Joey. Uh, Joey and I worked together at Lonnie Pool Golf Course. Uh, I still work there and got on with Lionloft doing production stuff. It's all like spur of the Luke moment. Yeah. quizzes me all the time on what I'm into, what I like, what I'm thinking about. And naturally, birds is probably what's coming out of my mouth to any of those <laughs> questions. And that led itself, led us to here. Now we're so, sitting here on the couch, yeah. So now we're sitting here on the couch talking about birds, and yeah. I can't imagine a better work day. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, tune in with us every week. That's kind of about the end of our intro for why we're here, what we're doing. And I look forward to learning a lot throughout this process. I already did. I know how to catch a hawk now, so that's pretty sweet. Wouldn't advise it. <laughs> Wouldn't advise trying it right now. I'll go practice with other small pigeons. you got to make your frisbee first. I gotta make my we gotta, first. We gotta, we gotta get into woodworking first. Start to get the frisbee made. Yeah, I know a guy. So yeah, tune in with us every week, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Do you have any final thoughts? Keep your eyes out for any birds. Any good pictures you guys get, please do submit to us. We'd love to see your birds. Also, any good birdies that you made, we're always in for the golf highlight reels. Yes. Uh, we didn't really touch much on the golf today, but please do know we will tie this into golf we promise correct yeah that is our you know while we're all that's all of our common thread more golf talk will be happening so until next time i hope all of you make lots of birds i hope all of you see lots of birds and i hope i get to hear about every single one of them